This is true news, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. I'm Rick Wiles. Today is Thursday, October 12, 2023. Israel has denied the Red Cross access to Gaza to provide emergency humanitarian aid to 2.5 million Palestinians trapped inside Gaza with no food, no water, no electricity, nor an escape route to get away from the Israeli bombing campaign. We have uh, several stories about this. Reuters reported it this morning. Uh, Israel says no exceptions yes. to so, Gaza siege unless hostages freed. So Israel said on Thursday there would be no humanitarian exceptions to its siege of the Gaza Strip until all its hostages were freed. And this was after the Red Cross pled for fuel to be allowed in to prevent overwhelmed hospitals from turning into morgues. And we also have this story from RT as well. No humanitarian aid to Gaza. That's coming from the Israeli energy minister. It says uh, Israel's siege of Gaza will not be lifted unless Hamas releases all its hostages. It's captured. That's coming from energy minister Israel Katz. His announcement came after Israeli authorities cut off water, fuel, and electricity to the Palestinian exclave following a uh, surprise attack by Hamas militants Saturday. Humanitarian aid to Gaza, no electrical switch will be turned on, no water pump will be opened, and no fuel truck will enter until the Israeli abductees are returned home, uh, wrote Katz on X. The uh, blockade of Gaza was initially announced by Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant Monday, who said he had ordered a complete siege of the Gaza Strip and that there would be no electricity, no food, no fuel, no water. We're fighting human animals. And we are acting accordingly, Gallant said. So, so the Zionists believe that toddlers, infants, children, five, six, seven, eight years old, they're animals. And they don't deserve food and water. Right. Now, we always like to flip the script, Rick. Uh, what if Vladimir Putin laid siege to a city in Ukraine and cut off all food and water and fuel and electricity going to Ukraine city. What, what well, would the world's response well, be to that? Let's drive it home. Let's, let's say somebody did it to Jerusalem. Okay. Imagine Jerusalem has been encircled and millions of Israelis are inside and they can't get food and water. What would the world say? There would be total condemnation, of course, and as well there should be. And there would be calls for uh, Western nations to send military troops to break the siege. Yes. Uh, I mean, for any person to, to brazenly say, I will not allow any food or water or fuel to enter a land that has two and a half million people in it, they're in the dark. There's no electricity. There's no running water. There are no toilets. There's no food. And half of the population is a, a youth under 18. Right. Uh, it, it's you, unthinkable, Doc. You would think of all nations, Israel would be the one nation uh, that would learn a lesson from the past. Uh, you mean like a Holocaust? Or, or like 70 A.D. 70 A.D., uh, basically Judah and any hopes of any resurrection of Judea at that point. Because the Roman army, the Roman army encircled Jerusalem and cut off all the food. Right. And millions, millions of Jews died in Jerusalem, mostly inside the, Jerusalem. Mostly at the hands of other Jews. Yes. 
the zealots killed the Jews who wanted to surrender. Yes. Now, that's the part of the story they don't tell you. Well, uh, Minister Katz uh, posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. I guess we've got to say that all the time. Uh, he had this tweet, and uh, it says, Humanitarian aid to Gaza, no electrical switch will be turned on, no water hydrant will be opened, no fuel truck will enter until the Israeli abductees are returned. Humanitarian for humanitarian, and no one will preach us morals. Of course not. Really? No you're one? Not, you're not going to tell them morals because they don't have any. If That's only, why. If only someone would respond to Minister Katz. I did. Oh, you did? I did. I sent him a tweet. Uh, Jesus Christ told your ancestors that their father is Satan. Your heartless actions to deprive hundreds of thousands of children, water and food prove that you are the devil's son, too. Chosen people of God? No way. You are the chosen people of hell. I'm sure that they read that. Uh, I, I sent that out this morning, and uh, I was uh, quite um, talkative last night on on Twitter. And I, I sent uh, I sent a tweet to uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Did you see that one? Yeah, I, saw I that sent one a lot too. of them. I, you know, his. Uh, I don't know if it's his real name. It's one of his aliases that he operated under years uh, ago. I saw the the Ben Nate. Ben Nate. <laughs> many many years ago, he was in the United States. It looked like he was in his thirties, and he he was speaking in in various places in the United States, including Congress. Yes, he, his name was Ben Nate. How many names does he have? So I sent him a tweet last night said, hey, hey, Ben Nate, how many babies did you kill today? And I just said, I know who you are. You're an imposter. Uh, these people should not be treated as God's chosen people. They are not God's chosen people. No. They, God removed them from the Holy Land. Does anybody ever ask why? They were removed from the Holy Land because what, what of their un, have done? because of their unholy living, and they're doing it again, and they may get the very same treatment from heaven. They may be removed once again for their atrocities. This is they're whipping the Jewish population into a frenzy all over the world. Yes, and they're telling the average Jew. If you don't support the slaughter of the Palestinians, you're not a real Jew. And they're making it difficult for Jews to be human because the Jews that are saying, hey, I don't I don't want to do this. I don't want to support killing two and a half million Palestinians. This is this is this is what we talk about. We talk about the Holocaust. Right. How are we going to how are we going to continue talking about the Holocaust if we just do a Holocaust to the Palestinians? But they're putting so much pressure on them. So much guilt yes. on the average Jewish person that Jews around the world are afraid to take a stand and say, this is wrong. This is going to be the Jewish people will be stained with blood for for centuries. We will be remembered for the slaughter of Palestinian people driving in. I was listening to uh, Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck was making the case for the use of nuclear weapons. He was talking about why Hiroshima was justified. And he was clearly preparing his radio audience to accept 
the use of nuclear weapons against the Palestinians. And he said, Good grief. if my wife, if my wife were being held hostage in Gaza and she was going to be raped and I was told, if you push this button, she will be released, but one million people will die. Would I push it? Yes, I would. And you would, too. He was planning the thoughts in everybody's right. mind. You would kill them, too. So this is the uh, neoconservative script now yes. that it's OK to use nuclear weapons on people we don't like. Is yes. that basically it? Glenn, especially if they, Glenn especially Beck, if they don't look like us and talk like us or think like us. It's OK to nuke them. The Glimbeck I remember is the Glimbeck that used to wear a Masonic emblem on his uh, sweater. Yes. He used to have a skull and bones uh, on his uh, on his belt. That's the Glimbeck. I know who he is. He, he's he's been a, a propagandist for decades. But he still has an audience. There's still people listening to him. He's yes. still influencing people to do things that are ungodly. But we represent the kingdom of God. Yes. And we cannot endorse these things. These children didn't do anything wrong, and they should not die. I woke up at 2.30 in the morning, Doc, and I, I, I prayed for the children of Gaza. I, I can't get this out of my mind. Their screams. They're, I, I just was thinking, the children who are alone, in the dark, no food, no water, their parents are dead, they're, they're in hospitals, or they're just stumbling around in rubble. Oh, you mean these six-year-old terrorists, right? Yeah, little children, children, and, and white phosphorus fire coming down from the sky, hitting their little bodies and burning all the way to the bones. Do you understand that that's what the United States and Israel are doing to the Gazan people? We're... We're raining down white phosphorus on them. Have you ever seen white phosphorus? I, I, the guys in our control room, I'll give you a, a few minutes. We had it prepared yesterday. Um, there was some, some of those videos we didn't get to show. It was just horrible. I didn't do any research today on the videos because of the, the emotional toll it was having on me last night. I... I looked at some videos coming out of Gaza, and uh, I saw a couple of them with, with little children, and I, I broke down. I, Doc, I put my head down on my table, and I sobbed. I sobbed. I couldn't stop crying. And I had to get up and walk around and pray and ask God. I asked God to stand up. I pleaded with him, God, stand up from your throne and stop these Zionists. Stop them. Stop them. Either take these children quickly so that they don't suffer or stop these Zionists. Rise up, O oh God, and do the right thing. Split Jerusalem in half. Send a mighty earthquake and split it in half. Your word says you're going to do it. You're going to split it three ways. Well, let's get it done. Let's do it now. These people are madmen. And I just pleaded with God for the sake of the children. Stop Netanyahu. Stop these Zionist bloodthirsty maniacs. They're doing things 
far worse than Hitler ever did. Can you say that? Yes, I just did. They're doing things to the Palestinians far worse than Hitler did to the Jews. We have some of those uh, uh, videos of the white phosphorus, uh, uh, Rick, and so uh, yeah, it's this, controlled. If you don't know what white phosphorus is, look at this. It's raining down, fire. burning fire. And when it touches your skin, it goes all the way to your bone. Look at that. And so what happens is an ordinance explodes over an area, and inside the ordinance are thousands of phosphorus pellets that are ignited by the intense heat. And that phosphorus burns. It burns through rock. Yes. It Look burns at this. through asphalt. It burns through buildings. It burns like, through flesh. It, it's like uh, <coughs> fireworks are coming down on the city. Right. That, and the United States is providing the white phosphorus to Israel. Our hands are bloody, too. This, this war is a joint production of the United States Pentagon and the Israeli Defense Force. And there are still people who are out there defending basically the genocide of the Gazans and the Palestinians. I mean, they're, they're out there. Um, I caught a portion of a debate between uh, Cornell West. Uh, he's the Harvard professor that's running for president right now. He's a character himself. Doc, can you give me just one second? Sure. Because I, I just want to before uh, um, I, I just want to say something to people. For those of you who are watching, are are uh, you're watching us? Uh, you're getting just the the brief version of us. You can see the entire episode every day. Become a member of Faith and Values. Become a member of Faith and Values. Go to faithandvalues.com. Join. Become a member. The membership is $9.99 a month. Are we worth $9.99 a month? The work that we do here, is it worth it to you? $9.99 a month to keep you informed about World War III and the end of the world and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Are we worth $9.99 a month? I hope you would say, yes, I've got to do something. I've got to get behind you and support you. So go to Faith and Values and become a member and and support what we're doing. It's the it's the best thing that you can do right now to help us. Go ahead, Doc. Well, as I was saying, I caught a portion of uh, Sean Hannity last night. Cornell West was on. Uh, for those that don't know who Cornell West, he's African-American uh, uh, professor at uh, Harvard. He's coming under attack uh, for anti-Semitism because of his defense of the Palestinians. Uh, he was on uh, Sean Hannity last night debating, of all people, Alan Dershowitz. And you can guess where Alan Dershowitz was landing on this particular uh, You mean Mr. Topic. Trump's attorney? Yes. Uh, who used to get massages at Epstein's At Jeffrey place. Epstein's so, uh, yeah, place. Yeah, the same one. And so, uh, but he kept his underwear on. That's right. So that made it legal. So uh, so this was a portion of I can't really call it a debate. It, to me, it was a smackdown by Cornell West against Alan Dershowitz. Watch this and uh, see your takeaways from this particular exchange. Would you allow the killing of Americans to continue or would you go and get the terrorists, even if it meant possibly collateral damage on Palestinians? What would you do? I'll tell you exactly what I would do. First, truth and morality tend to be two casualties in any context of war. I would want to tell the American people the truth. 
I would tell them what the context is, how we found ourselves in this situation. I would not jump for a military invasion and a genocidal attack on a, a genocidal attack on Gaza. No, no. You, you, it's you not a genocidal where attack supposed to go? when you're where killing are they supposed to terrorists. Go? This is like Warsaw, 1943. Where do they go? Where do they go? Yes. Let me tell you where they go. Do they where go to the U.N.? UN, UN is keeping from Gaza them. to they Geneva. Go, they go to no, no, no. The UN has places in Gaza. They go to the eleven crossing. UN people have they, been killed they, in the last few they days. Go, they go to Egypt. They go. Egypt had to wait a minute. Get out. Let Come me on, make brother. another thing clear. No, no, Gaza no, no, no. City is very dense, Absolutely. but Gaza it itself, dense. the Gaza Strip, there's lots of room. The Israelis have said, "Get out of Gaza City. Go to Rafah. Go to." Uh, uh, Khan Yunus, go to other places. And you know what Hamas With is no saying? no water, no Wait food, no electricity. You know what Hamas is dark? saying? Hamas is saying, don't go. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to defend Hamas. Well, you are. No, I'm not defending oh, Hamas. Wait a minute. Don't you ever lie on me Did like you that, brother. Ever? I'm defending the suffering and the, and the, of, of Palestinians. I want to hear. And, and, and Hamas itself I, I committed war crimes. I want to hear you Anybody say. Anybody who commits war crimes are barbaric. I, I'm saying that explicitly. But I, I want I, you I, to say if the Israeli defense forces are killing children. No, no. Are they barbaric too? No, no. Are they, no, are they ever no, barbaric? No, no, no. If they target, no. if they target children, yes. Have, have they ever targeted? No, children? They absolutely have never. Never, in, in, never in, in, in the history have they ever targeted oh, brother, a child you got to deliberately. Get off the crack pipe, and, man, and, please. No, no, they please. have never targeted. Don't think they kill one innocent not person purposely. No. Since nineteen forty-eight, no, not not. Are purposely. they that pure? Are they that? You don't have to be very pure not to kill a child. Not to kill a child. Let me let me kill five hundred and fifty. Let me show being used as human shields. Let me show something well, we, we showed on this program last night. What I'm about to show no. this all. Did you ever think you see the day that Rick Wiles and Cornell West sound the same? <laughs> That's how extreme things have become. Right. But Cornell West is a, is a brilliant man. He's on the far left, but he's a thinker. Uh, he's he's old school liberal left. Right. And uh, he's, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him. I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but he's telling the truth. He's absolutely telling the truth. And of course, Hannity, uh, you know, is a shield for the Jews. Uh, we, we know Dershowitz. What do you expect? What, what do you expect that you're going to hear on the Hannity show? He's a warmonger. But they're, they're, it's just to have him come out and say, hey, there's going to be collateral damage. Innocent civilians are going to die. And we're OK with that. We're really OK with that. That's that's where the that's the mantra are right now. now. That's the mantra right now on all media. It's OK to mass kill babies and children and elderly. It's OK to do it. And when Dershowitz says, well, they can leave Gaza. You can where? Do out to the desert. Half the population is under the age of 15. You're going to take, let's say there's uh, 2 million people in Gaza, and you tell them all to leave. A million of them are kids. Then he said they can go to Egypt. You bombed the only checkpoint. They they want them in the Mediterranean's where they want yes. them. Just just start swimming. Go go that direction. That's really where they want them to go. But anyway, that's uh, it just shows... Where this argument takes us and everything, it just frustrates me that so many on the, the on the right who call themselves conservatives, who label themselves conservatives, are okay with a genocide now. They're shills for Zionism. It's as simple as that. 
most of America's conservatives are paid shills for Zionism. And true conservatives in this country need to wake up and stop supporting these fakes. If you call yourself a Christian, then support people who are Christian. But this stuff of using the flag and the cross to justify mass murder, I'm done with that stuff. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not even tolerating it anymore. I'm not saying, well, we have different points of view. No, you're, you're the devil. And I don't even talk. Another one I went after this morning was Ben Shapiro. Oh, yeah. There, there's another. Uh, I call him blaspheming Ben because of his blaspheming of Jesus Christ. He said a couple of years ago that Jesus deserved to die. He, he should have been crucified because he was a criminal. Yeah, a and yet you have Christians backing Ben Shapiro. Yes. They invite him to conferences. Come and speak to our Christian conference, you blaspheming Ben Shapiro. Well, I don't. I go after these guys. Uh, so you, you just heard uh, Dershowitz say, well, you know, let the, let the Gazans, Palestinians, let them go to... Let the meat cake. <laughs> let, them, yeah, let them go to Egypt. Well, let's look at number 10. Gazans bombarded by Israel have no hope and no escape. That's Reuters reporting that. Uh, most of the 2.3 million people in the Gaza Strip have no electricity and no water. And with hundreds of Israeli strikes raining down on their tiny enclave, they have nowhere to run. Gaza's sole power station, which had been working intermittently for days, cut out on Wednesday after running out of fuel. So without power, water can't be pumped into houses. At night, there's nearly total darkness punctuated by fireballs and the pinpricks of light from phones used as flashlights. I lived through all the wars and incursions in the past, but I've never witnessed anything worse than this. That's coming from Yamin Hamad, a father of four whose home had been destroyed by Israeli strikes on the northern Gaza town of Bait Hanun. Uh, there was no escape for Allah al-Kafarna's family. Uh, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, the 31-year-old said he fled the town on Saturday with his pregnant wife, his father, brothers, cousins, and in-laws. They drove to the beach refugee camp on the coast where they hoped they would be safer, but air attacks began targeting that area, too. Rick. So they bombed the refugee camp. Yes. So they headed to Sheikh Rodwan later. On Tuesday night, an airstrike hit the building where Kafarna and his family were sheltering at the other location, killing all of them except him, he added. He lost his entire family. Yes. We escaped from danger into death, he said. Uh, and uh, his head cut and a plaster cast running from his shoulder to his wrist. He was sitting on a pavement near hundreds of other people living in the open next to the hospital. Some said they hoped that its presence might offer them some protection from the bombardment. No, they, they hit hospitals too. Um, it, it's just the, the tragedy of the situation. Where do you escape to? You escape to a, a, a refugee camp which gets hit. Then you escape because, to another because place, the Israelis, which gets hit. the Israelis are deliberately pinning them down. Doc, they're deliberately pinning down the Palestinian people. They want them to be terrorized. You're going, they're telling them, you're going to die. There's no place to run. Every place you run, we're going to bomb you. You're going to die. It's just a matter of days. So they, they want the people to be in an absolute state of terror, knowing that it's just a matter of time. That man that lost his entire family, a 31-year-old man, he knows that within a couple of days, he's going to be dead. 
There's no future. There is no hope. You're, you're finished if you're in Gaza right now. Um, I, I also, right now, I want to say to uh, um, the folks who are listening to us on, on WWCR, International Shortwave, it's been many, many years since I've been on shortwave, and we stepped out in faith and said yes to WWCR when they offered us eight hours a day that previously had been occupied by Alex Jones InfoWars for over 25 years. And we said, okay, we'll do it. That's a lot of time. Uh, We're only doing one hour a day. So we expanded to two hours that, but we still have to repeat it. But that's a lot of time to pay for every month. And I'm asking the people who listen to us on the international shortwave, if you would get behind us, Uh, you can go to our website, truenews.com. That's without an E, T-R-U-N-E-W-S, truenews.com and click donate. Or you can send a check to Post Office Box 690069, P.O. Box 690069, Vero Beach, V-E-R-O, Vero Beach, Florida. And our zip code is 32969. If you want to use a uh, bank card and call a number, we have a number where somebody's standing by 24 hours a day, 800 800- Five seven six two one one six eight hundred five seven six two one one six. We would deeply appreciate your support right now. Um, the president of Brazil, I think, is the only one I have seen so far, President Lula, who has uh, demanded that the international community do something to protect the Palestinian children, and he's begging the Israelis to. Stop killing the children. It's like, once again, Doc, here's a leftist. Yeah. I, here I am. I, I'm supposed to be far right. And here I am. The only people I'm finding to line up with are far left. So what am I? Am I a far right left winger or, or, or far left right winger? How about I'm just a man who wants the truth? How about I'm just a man that wants to do what's right? And President Lula wants to do what's right regarding these children. I commend him and I I salute him that he has been one world leader who has spoken up and said, please stop killing the children. So uh, Brazilian President uh, Lula on Wednesday called on the United Nations and the international community to protect Palestinian and Israeli children. Notice he says both there in the midst of the Israel-Hamas war. He also called for ceasefire and international humanitarian intervention so that human rights violations can be put to an end. He said an international humanitarian intervention is urgently needed. And he wrote this on X. A ceasefire is urgently needed in defense of Israeli and Palestinian children. And so, as Rick said, he's one of the few world leaders if only the the only world leader at this time that has said anything about let's calm things down, let's well, stop. Doctor, two people that ordinarily don't talk to each other, the president of Iran and the uh, prince of Saudi Arabia. Up yes. until you know earlier this year, they were actually non-speaking. They weren't sworn enemies, but they didn't. And they're, the two factions of Islam, but they didn't talk to each other. Iran did not talk to Saudi Arabia. But look at this headline, Al Jazeera. The president of Iran had a discussion with Saudi Arabia's 
Prince Mohammed bin Salman to yeah. discuss Israel. Where is this going, Doc? Well, it's probably going to end up with a confrontation with Israel at some point. So Iranian President Abraham Razi and Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman has spoken on the phone about the war between Israel and Hamas in their first call since Tehran and Riyadh restored ties. And so what this is doing, it's uniting the Arab, uh, the Muslim world now. The two leaders discussed on Wednesday the need to end war crimes against Palestine and Iranian President, uh, presidential political affairs aide Mohammad Jamshidi said on X, Islamic unity was stressed. Listen to that. Islamic unity was stressed and both believed the regime's crimes and the U.S. green light will cause destructive insecurity for the regime and backers. When they say the regime, they're talking about Israel. That's right. Uh, Saudi state news agency, SPA, said that uh, Mohammed bin Salman stressed the necessity of adhering to the principles of international humanitarian law and expressed deep concern for the dire humanitarian situation in Gaza and its impact on civilians. Now, Rick, it was just two short weeks ago that we were talking about a possible alliance with Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the U.S., with the Saudis perhaps getting the bomb as a result of that. Um, I think those talks are on hold. Yes, well, I would say they're on hold. I, my question is, are they de dead in the water? But I would say Saudi Arabia is thinking we better get a bomb. And guess who's really close to getting one? Iran. Yes, but also China and Russia may supply Saudi Arabia with nukes to protect Saudi Arabia from Israel. And Israel started talking yesterday. Members of the Knesset started talking about doomsday weapons and nuclear bombs. So if you're an Arab state and Israel is talking about using nuclear weapons. Doomsday weapons. Not even explaining what is a doomsday weapon. Because I think it's, I think it's weapons that the public doesn't know anything about. And now the, the conflict is expanding into Syria. Um, the uh, two main airports, the uh, Damascus International Airport and the airport in Aleppo, both uh, suffered strikes. Uh, Israel uh, knocked, uh, knocked really both airports out. Israel has launched missile strikes on Syria's two main airports in Damascus and in Aleppo, knocking both out of service. The simultaneous attacks damaged landing strips in the two airports, putting them out of service. State news agency Sana said on Thursday, citing a military source, they put both airports out of service about just a few minutes before the Iranian foreign minister was, was due scheduled to arrive. So th think this through. We'll show you here the uh, um, messenger reporting Syrian airports hit in apparent Israeli uh, strikes as Iran's foreign minister prepares to visit. Israel today bombed serious two international airports and nobody's saying anything about it nope. not a word so let's uh, let's flip it around let's say syria bombed tel aviv's airport oh my goodness P there be people's hair on glenn fire. beck would be talking about bring out the nukes we've got to nuke syria they bombed the tel aviv airport no, Israel bombed two airports in Syria today. Syria hadn't done one thing against Israel. Not one thing. And Israel bombed their airports today and shut down their airports. But everybody's supposed to be quiet about it because the Zionists are allowed to do anything that they want to do. 
Because if you criticize them, they'll shut you down. Right. They'll shut down your bank account in America. They'll shut down your social media account. They'll go after you in any way that they can find to attack you and shut you down. That's the way it works. They'll bomb you either with real bombs or financial bombs or social media bombs, but they're ruthless. If you criticize them, they bomb you. One way or the other, they bomb you. They do not tolerate any criticism of their outrageous behavior. And so today they bomb Syria. And Did you hear anything yesterday of Syria bombing Israel? No, not at all. And the Israeli Defense Ministry uh, today said they were preemptive strikes. Preemptive. Yeah. That means we get to do whatever we want to That's do. Their That's the arrogance of the, of the Zionists. It is an, it is an arrogance that, that says exactly that, Doc. We are Zionists, and we do what we want to do. And if you get in our way... We'll smack you down, too. You won't dare ever criticize us again. That's why everybody in Washington's afraid. That's why they're all afraid. They won't say anything. They know what's right and wrong, but they're afraid. They're afraid that they will be targeted. And they know the power that the Zionists have in this country. So, as you said, Doc, the uh, foreign minister of Iran was scheduled to land in Damascus and meet with the president of Syria. Right. So Israel said, oh, I don't think you're going to land. We're just going to blow up the uh, runways of all the airports. That's right. So violent explosions from suspected Israeli strikes rocked airports in Damascus and Aleppo Thursday as Iran's foreign minister was set to visit Syria amid fear of a wider war in the region. The foreign minister, Hossein Amir Bodolian, uh, planned to visit Iraq and Syria in the light of the current Palestinian events the crimes committed against Gaza and their dangerous ramifications, state media said. As Israel fights Hamas, second front is looming with Hezbollah, and Hezbollah-like Hamas is far stronger than the last time it fought a war with Israel. Um, and so there's that possibility as well, that uh, we'll see Hezbollah entering this. I mean, they already have, but they'll be ramping up. And you have to ask the question whether Israel could sustain a second front in in uh, conflict they would have to bring out their doomsday weapons yes and right now everybody's saying i'm okay with that yeah, do it yeah go ahead kill them all do you understand how close we are to an exchange of nuclear weapons maybe biological weapons because the israelis allegedly have biological viruses man-made biological viruses that target the dna of arabs they could release a virus that only Arabs would be infected and die. And, and that's news that's, what, 15, 20 years old? At least. I reported that back when I lived in Texas. I, I left Texas in 2005. And no less than the New York Times reporting that. So so we're right on the edge. When, when you hear Israeli politicians talking about bring out the doomsday weapons, that's the kind of stuff they're referring to. And... It is going to be hell on earth when this breaks loose. This is why I'm recommending that everybody just get into war mode. I, I don't know how to get you into war mode. I, I, I'm saying it every day. You got to get your thinking changed. Get into war mode. Dust off your um, your 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 bug out plans. Some of you have had bug out plans for years. 
of what you were going to do if it hits the fan in this country. You better get those plans out and take a look at them again. Are they still relevant? Are they up to date? Do all the members of your family know the plan? If communications are cut off in America, the phones go down, the Internet goes down, uh, you have an EMP attack. Do your family members know how, where you're supposed to meet together? If they can't meet together, do they know where to go for safety? If you have a, a place set aside in the mountains, in the woods, someplace, you have a, 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 a family farm, someplace that uh, your relatives have said, if things ever get bad, come on up to the Ozarks. Do your family members know how to get to the Ozarks or wherever you're going, West Virginia, where do you know? And do you know how you're going to get there if there's no gasoline, if the gas pumps are down? How are you going to do these things? You've got to get in the mode of thinking we're going into war. And we have on the screen right now, the American Reserves food packages. And what's there right now? That's the six-month emergency food supply. Yes. And uh, six months of buckets that will feed us for one person. But I encourage you to, uh, to act, be proactive, do something. Don't, don't freeze. Don't become immobilized with fear. Don't be afraid. I'm not trying to make you afraid. I'm trying to make you active. I'm trying to get you to get out of the slumber and say, hey, this really is world war. This is getting really bad. And you've got to take steps. And, and those of you who don't have the money, I've given you a plan how to do it. Ask God. Ask God for miracle money. And the way it works is like this. Tell the Lord, your Father in heaven, that you need money to buy food. Tell him that you will give a portion of that miracle money that comes in. You will give a portion of it to True News as an offering to bless the Lord. Because you've heard it. You've heard this message of faith on True News. So you should honor the ministry that, that has challenged your faith. And then use the balance of the money to buy food. And once that has happened, do it again. And again, and again, until you have a stockpile of food, don't stop. The miracle money supply will not run out. The oil did not run out for the widow of Zarephath. She's just, That's right. the oil just continued running. She made it through the famine. She and her son and the preacher. Yes. Because she was feeding the preacher too. See, that's, that's the the principle of faith in this. They were, there was a drought because the preacher preached judgment. Yes. And then the preacher was out of food. And the people were out of food. And God sent the preacher to a widow woman. And she's out of food. She's got enough food for one more meal. She's out picking up sticks in the yard. Yeah. To cook one more pancake. But God had already prepared her heart and told her that I'm going to send a preacher to you and you're going to feed him. That could have happened years earlier. And then here comes the preacher. And he says to her, feed me first. 
Can you imagine that? Here's a woman starving. She's down to one meal, and the preacher says, hey, before you feed your son, feed me. Why did he say that, Doc? Why did he tell her, feed feed him first? She had to be obedient to what the Lord had instructed her. We don't know how long before. It could have been years before that the Lord had told her that the man of God would come, and you, you would need to take care of him. And you need feed, to be obedient. And feeding, feeding the man of God is a step of faith, an yes. act of faith and obedience. You know everything inside. Elijah was, I, I don't want to say this, but he had to. He knew that she needed a miracle. Right. And if he didn't say it, she wasn't going to have her miracle. So I'm telling you, you can get a miracle supply to buy food. And some of you are financially in a position that you can buy extra food to feed other people. And God will, God will have many of you be Joseph's. You will be modern-day Joseph's. And there were a lot of people in Egypt that were glad Joseph was obedient. Uh, and in the rest of the world, too. They came, yeah, the nations were coming to Egypt to buy food. That's how much food he stored. And it wasn't in just one silo. He had them all over the, the, the nation of Egypt. They had a massive amount of food. But he had, heard the, he had heard the Lord say, there's a famine coming. And he prepared. So we are right on the edge of a colossal world war. I pray to God it doesn't happen. But I don't see any signs right now of any sane people trying to stop it. No. They're, they're calling. They're begging for it to happen. You got Glenn Beck's and Sean Hannity's hyperventilating on radio and TV at the thought of mass death. And they're indoctrinating millions of people to cheer for it, want it, ask for it, beg for it. So look at the signs of what's happening and say, I got to do something. I got to do something to take care of my family. It's AmericanReserves.com. AmericanReserves.com. And they still have the special offer on the 72-hour kit. It has not sold out yet. Uh, the 72-hour food kit. Put three kits in your online store cart. And when you check out, you will only pay for two. Put three in the cart, go to checkout. When you hit pay, one will be deducted and you will only be charged for two. That's the 72-hour food kit. Um, so go back to Israel bombing uh, Syria today because the foreign minister of Iran was flying into Damascus to meet with President Assad. Right. What happened in Israel today? Who flew into Israel? Our own Anthony Blinken. Our Secretary of State. Yes. Who is this, at the same level as the foreign minister of Iran. So what if Iran Blew bombed the Tel Aviv airport today so that Blinken couldn't land? Well, not only the Tel Aviv airport, but the airport outside Jerusalem, too. Right. Think about that. So you couldn't land anywhere in Israel. So what would happen? If Iran had blown up the airport minutes before Blinken landed. Oh, the, the nukes were already gone off. So we have double standards, don't we? We sure do. And so look at this headline, though. This is this is from Haratz. Uh, this is uh, what he says here. I come here also as a Jew. 
This is the American Secretary of State. Right. So with Netanyahu, Blinken pledges that the U.S. has Israel's back. Um, but to lead with that as saying, I come here also as a Jew. What if he went to uh, Paris and said, I come here as a Caucasian? What would people say? <laughs> That's racist. If he went to London and said, I come as an Anglo-Saxon. Racist. But he can go to Israel and say, I'm here as a Jew. Oh, yes. Welcome. <laughs> the double standards. And the racial is, superiority. And he is Jewish. His most, most of the Biden administration is Jewish. Oh, that's the most diverse administration in American history, Rick. Yes. That's what they mean by diverse. Um, so Anthony Blinken did come to uh, Israel today. He's uh, currently there now. We have, uh, we have this uh, uh, short clip here uh, that, uh, well, the, we have this uh, still here. This is from Times of Israel uh, with uh, Secretary Blinken in Tel Aviv. As long as, now listen to this headline, as long as the U.S. exists, Israel won't have to defend itself alone. So we are stepping up side by side with everything that Israel is doing. So the blood that is being splattered by Israel is landing on our hands as a nation as well. We're rushing weapons to Israel as though they don't have the money to buy the weapons. Right. We're, we're rushing uh, white phosphorus bombs. Uh, we, have, uh, we have naval ships parked off the coast. We've got jet fighters. Uh, the U.S. is ready to, to bomb Iran. 1967, the USS Liberty. We're going to see a replay of it. Be careful if you're on a ship as a U.S. sailor. Something's going to happen. You're going to have a false flag to justify the mass bombing of the Middle East. They're getting things in place, Doc. They're going to rewrite the Middle East. That's the plan. The greater Israel. So you were getting ready to introduce. Uh, yes, this is when uh, uh, Secretary Blinken and Prime Minister Netanyahu first met. And uh, you, unfortunately, if you're listening on uh, uh, shortwave or just listening on your app, uh, you won't get the whole interchange of this. But it's almost uh, it's almost saccharine in their greeting. Uh, well, they're tribal members. I understand that, but to be so obvious about it. Uh, so this is their uh, initial interchange as Secretary Blinken meets uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. See you. Sorry, it's under these circumstances. We're here. We're not going anywhere. See you. Sorry, it's under these circumstances. We're here. We're not going anywhere. Here, we're not going anywhere. That's right. We're, we're committed to this. And Netanyahu said, of course you're not going anywhere. We own you. <laughs> Where would you go? We've got dirt on every politician in America. What do you think Jeffrey Epstein was doing? Of course you're not going anywhere. Uh, several days ago, some top-level officials in Egypt said, Egyptian intelligence warned Israel that Hamas was going to launch an attack, and they ignored the warnings. Today, Congressman Michael McCall, who is uh, a warmonger, uh, he's definitely a deep state guy, but he confirmed it. He said, yeah, they were warned. Uh, I don't know how we missed it, Rick. 
Yeah, one of those uh, dot connector machines wasn't working. This is uh, some video from C-SPAN. We heard from the administration. There seems to have been a failure of intelligence as well. Uh, we're not quite sure how we missed it. We're not quite sure how Israel missed it. We know that it, it, Egypt had warned the Israelis three days prior that an event, event like this could happen. We know that this had been planned perhaps as long as a year ago. Maybe they wanted it to happen. Maybe Hamas stepped into a trap and had no idea that the Israelis knew all about it and were waiting. Let it happen. Now you can justify genocide. Yes. Because that's what's playing out right now. Reuters, NATO ministers shown horrific video from Hamas attacks. So Israel is now uh, courting NATO. Um, I don't think Israel is a member of NATO. Well, they do have an associate office. They have a yeah, junior associate membership. Uh, so they're, they're showing uh, all the NATO ministers throughout Europe and the United States and Canada. Hey, th- here's the video. Look, NATO, you might have to get involved in this fight. That's where they're going. Oh, yes. Folks, when you see this, they're going to expand. Look, NATO's done with Zelensky. They lost the war. Zelensky's old news. He's washed up. It's over. I I said this a long time ago. They're going to move the war to the Middle East and bring Putin. They're going to bait Putin to come into the Middle East. Even Kirby yesterday was saying that the funding for Ukraine has come to the end of its rope. He did? Yes. But the fund, they got a lot of money for Israel right now. Yes. Um, Another one I saw today, this is Breitbart. Hamas leader calls for global day of jihad on Friday the 13th. So that's tomorrow. And it says a, a former Hamas chief has called for protests to take place across the Muslim world on Friday in support of the Palestinians and for the people of neighboring countries to join the fight against Israel. And uh, Khalid Mishal said we must head to the squares and the streets of the Arab and Islamic world on Friday. And he, he, he said uh, this. He made the statement from Qatar. He said, tribes of Jordan, sons of Jordan, brothers and sisters of Jordan. This is a moment of truth and the borders are close to you. You all know your responsibility. He's speaking to the two million Palestinian refugees that live in Jordan. Yes. And um, I don't know where uh, on this uh, Sheet. Do we have the, the video from Jordan? Uh, the, the protest. Uh, this was sent to me. This happened a couple days ago. I don't know if we got it. Um, there was a mass protest in Amman several days ago in, in the evening. To me, it looked like a couple hundred thousand people in the streets. So there is uh, there is a groundswell taking place in the Arab world. And you can be sure that the leaders of each of these Islamic countries are feeling the pressure from their people. Right. Saying, how long are you going to allow Israel to kill the Palestinians? 
So I, I've not seen whether there have been large protests in other countries, but there there was one. I think we've got it. Do we right have here, it? So okay, this is this is a man Jordan about uh, two nights ago. Let's watch. We don't have it. Okay, we'll move right. on. Um, oh, oh, there, there we, we go. go. There it is. Look at that. Look at that, Doc. That's a spontaneous rally that filled up the streets of Amman. Wow. <laughs> and the streets in Amman, they're, they're wide, wide. Yes. really wide. So it's hard to even get a grasp of just how many people are here. Uh, that's really amazing there, the number of people that have turned out for. So King Abdullah is the direct descendant of Muhammad, the prophet Muhammad. He is the direct descendant. If you saw a genealogy chart, it goes straight down to King Amdullah. And he's the moderate, peaceful Islamic leader. That's his country right there. People demanding, do something. Do something, King Abdullah. What happens if King Abdullah, the, the direct descendant of Muhammad, issues a call to every Muslim to fight for the Palestinians? What happens? Well, we've got a real mess in the Middle East then. What happens if what happens if these if the Israelis start attacking the Temple Mount in Jerusalem? I, I halfway expect that to happen yes. this weekend. I know. It's, things are going to get really, really, really crazy. What happens when the two million Palestinians in Palestine, occupied by the Israelis, they've been disarmed. I mean, the Israelis believe in gun control. I mean, almost all gun control movements are pushed by, by Zionists, including here in the United States. True. So the, the Palestinians are disarmed. But what if they just pick up swords and knives and start killing Zionist settlers who have taken their land? What happens if two million people pick up knives and swords? How does the Israeli military put this down? And. Let's assume you're also getting attacks from Hamas and Hezbollah at the same time. I want to go into um, uh, this uh, beheading story. So let's drop down to number 46. Uh, this story has been um, making its rounds. Babies and toddlers were found with heads decapitated, Netanyahu spokesperson says. Now, this story has been developing over a couple of days. It originally came out. Uh, let's see, two days ago on the 10th, uh, CNN picked it up yesterday uh, and printed this. But there's been a lot of question and a lot of controversy about this particular story and about the sourcing of it. Um, the, um, it. It started with a report by an I-24 reporter. Uh, I-24 is a news outlet from Israel. And what was going on is one of the kibbutzes had, appar uh, had apparently been struck by Hamas. And then the IDF brought in a whole bunch of journalists for a walkthrough afterwards to show, you know, here's some dead terrorists over here. Here's, mm -hmm. here's other bodies over here. And, well, I'll just play the original report. This is by uh, I-24's Nicole Zedek. And listen to what she says here in this particular report, and this is where the controversy This is started. the original this report. This is the original okay. report. 
because they want us to see exactly what's happening and what they've been witnessing with their own eyes for these past three days. Many of them coming here Saturday night, and they knew that no other soldiers had been here yet. And so they kind of knew uh, an idea of, of what was happening, but but they no one could expect that it would be like this, the horrors that I'm hearing from these these soldiers. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, about 40 babies at least were were taken out on gurneys. Still, right now, they're going house to house, uh, still evacuating dead bodies, killed Israeli citizens. Now, from her reporting, she implied that she saw 40 dead babies, beheaded babies, mm-hmm. and on top of that, um, this was back two days ago. Now, other media outlets picked that up too, picked that story up. They started repeating that. But then there were questions about, well, where are these babies? Where are they? Why are there no pictures or videos of them or anything like that? Uh, she had an appearance on uh, Buck Sexton's radio show where she... Former CIA to, agent. Right, where she... Uh, uh, tried to make an explanation for this. This was actually uh, late yesterday. So we'll play that clip here for her explanation of this and why people are questioning her. So listen to this. Sickening, really, that people are asking, where are the babies? Why aren't you showing the babies? Is that something that anyone would want to see, first thing, with their own eyes? Because after the graphic images that I saw of just children's beds covered in blood, I don't think I would be able to stomach those atrocities as well. And I think if people actually listen to the full clips, because a lot of times people are using just just cuts from the different clips, so 40 babies, 40 children were carried out on, on gurneys. 40 dead children were found. And a lot of people are saying, babies, 40 babies. Well, how does she know that number? How old are they? And I think that is really, the fact that people are focusing on that, doesn't matter if they're three months old or three years old. Six months old, six years old. Six, a six-year-old is someone's baby. So the fact that people are still questioning this, and after we we have a clip, I have on air also. We have these uh, soldiers confirming what they've seen of the mutilation of these children. All right now, but her original story was she saw the beheaded babies. She yes. did. Now she's backtracked on this. She's backtracked, saying she was told. No, she said she saw them. Well. But she backtracked on t- Twitter by saying she was told by an IDF soldier that there were 40 beheaded babies. Well, even – and this is the tweet here. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get to uh, uh, do the uh, Biden spot here or not because well, President Biden few, said he saw beheaded babies we too. Have, we have uh, – we got a few minutes in the next hour, right? Yes. Because we're going to have our, our morning man of Bible study coming up. But I think we have uh, about 10 minutes or so. Yes. Uh, it to to continue with the discussion of news. So, uh, yeah, so Joe Biden said he saw the babies. Yes. And and then the White House said, well, not really. Yes. And so everyone who says that they saw them then comes back a day later and says, well, I didn't really say I saw them. Except you did. Could it be propaganda? Could this be Israeli Mossad propaganda to whip up hatred and anger to justify the mass extermination of two and a half million Palestinians in Gaza? I think it is. Don't fall for the propaganda. We're going to take a short break for station identification. You're watching True News. I'll be back in just 30 seconds. 
You're listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. Who's going to be the first platform to deplatform us? Oh, I'm not going to take any bets on it. Right All right, now. it's yeah, kind of yeah. early, and so yeah. let's give a couple more days of Gaza coverage and uh, to really get people stirred up. And so, but you know, there are already there are already people deplatforming me at, for uh, friendship, personal friends. Yes, really, that I've known for decades. No kidding. Uh, they said, uh, yeah, they saw me on True News, and they said, you know. Uh, why? Why are you against Israel? Why do you hate Israel so much? Did I ever say I hated? You never Israel? said you hated Israel. I never said that. I, I just don't want to see. You just don't. You just don't worship Zionism, right? Now I did say that. And you're me. not. You're not drinking at the Zionist uh, Kool-Aid <laughs> dispensary. So, but yeah, I mean, this is an issue. I, I think this is going to be an issue that really is going to separate the sheep from the goats, to use a biblical parallel here. You're going to have to make a decision where you stand on this particular issue. Yeah, hey, Pastor Chuck Baldwin is going to be with us tomorrow for a full hour. Yes. Don't miss tomorrow's program, Pastor Chuck Baldwin, one hour on True News tomorrow. So Joe Biden said he saw beheaded babies. And don't take my word for it. Let Joe tell you himself. Here it is, compliments of NBC News. A campaign of pure cruelty. Not just hate, but for cruelty. I mean, I, I, I've been doing this a long time. I never really thought that I would see and have confirmed pictures of terrorists beheading children. So right. he said he saw that, right? He said, I never thought I'd see. And then he quickly changed and said, have confirmed. Right. Which one was it? See or confirmed. Well, let's go down to uh, this is slightly out of order, guys. I want to jump down to 52 NBC News. White House clarifies Biden's claim. He saw photos of terrorists beheading children. So reporters started asking, all right, where did you see these uh, photos or videos? Or you saw something, right? You said you saw. So the White House did not immediately. You can always tell this. The White House did not immediately respond to a request for further details about Biden's remarks. Two senior administration officials said Biden was referring to reports from Israel about beheaded children and cited several media reports of beheadings. So NBC News, now listen to this, has not confirmed those reports. And an IDF spokesperson, Major Doran Spielman, told NBC News that specific report and that number I can't confirm. But Joe Biden said he saw it. Somebody showed it to him. And, Doc, I wouldn't be surprised that an, a Mossad agent was in the White House and showed him doctored photographs. Right. And then CNN reports this as well. Uh, this is today. Israeli official says government cannot confirm babies were beheaded in Hamas attack. But Bibi Netanyahu told the whole world that they were beheaded. Yes. And Joe Biden saw the beheaded babies. This is an, an incubator story. Remember oh, the yes. story about the incubators? Oh, yes. Thing? Uh, the, uh, uh, President Assad was gassing children in the incubators. Yes. 
Same propaganda, same propagandas. Now, I don't deny that there are people that got killed, okay? But when you hear stories like this that roll out. Okay, Doc, here's something, and I I didn't, I don't know if the videos are still out there. I didn't save them because when this stuff started happening on Saturday, I was working on Bible lessons, and I just didn't feel like working on war. Okay? <laughs> and, and I wish I would have grabbed some stuff. But I saw videos on Saturday of so-called Hamas terrorists over on the Israeli side, and they were leading women out of homes and putting them into golf carts. Yes. And they, there was one that was an elderly woman. And there was, there was a, these uh, Hamas guys were, I mean, respectfully escorting her out to the golf cart. And she was smiling. And she got in the golf cart and she's smiling. And I'm thinking, there's something not right about this video. If she's being kidnapped, why are they not dragging her out by her hair? Why is she smiling? There's something weird about this video. Then the other one I saw, I saw very dark skinned, very black kidnappers, terrorists, so supposed to be terrorists. They were very, very black. They were African, very dark skinned. Well, you and I have been to the Middle East and, and Arabs aren't dark. They're dark skinned, but they're not black. They're right. not African. They're not North African. They're they're dark skinned. But these men were clearly Africans. And I'm thinking, well, when did Palestinians become so African looking? Right. Who are these people? Did you have a thought on anything that you wanted to say? we got a well, minute. Only that uh, the things that have really intrigued me was the music festival. Uh, I have not seen any videos of bodies at the music festival. I have seen videos of tanks and IDF mm -hmm. soldiers that yeah. were at the music festival that day firing at supposed terrorists, but firing across the crowd. Kind of like mass shootings in the United States. You're told that it happens, but you never see funerals. You don't see anything. You're just told it happened. And if you, if you question it, you're going to be shut down. Right. You just have to believe. Uh, a couple of things really quick here. Uh, number 56, uh, Zelensky in Romania for security talks with the president of, of Romania. This happened a couple of days ago. And then the next one, Hindustan Times out of India. Zelensky left red-faced as speech in a NATO nation parliament was canceled. He was not allowed to speak to the Romanian parliament, and he left embarrassed and humiliated. And this was being reported in India. It's over for Zelensky. Yes. His gig is up. It's time to retire. Take all that money that you siphoned off of U.S. aid and go retire somewhere and make uh, pornographic comedy videos again and go back to doing what you were doing before. Hey, we're going to take a break. And this is an announcement from our good friends, Genesis Gold Group. Are you concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. 
Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. We are in um, the book of Acts and let's see, Doc, this is uh, chapter 14, right? Sir, so, yes. starting um, chapter 14 today. 14 verses 1 through 7. Okay. Let's pray. Our wonderful, precious, holy Father, we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this, this day, Father, that we are alive. We are blessed. And we are under your care. Father, we can't. We can't begin this day without thinking about those who are in great peril and trouble this very hour. Many of them are brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ in Gaza. Father, have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Father, I am waiting and I am desiring the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. This old earth is stained with blood. Give us a new earth, Father. Give us a new earth and bring your son Jesus to rule as king over the new earth forever. We ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit today to learn from your precious word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I read our passage today, and we're in Acts chapter 14, and today we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7. I'm reading from the King James Version. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake, that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, a part held with the Jews, and a part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. God bless the reading of his word here. So verse 1, they entered together in the synagogue of the Jews, and so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and of Greeks, believed. So we know that they went to Iconium after being forced to leave the last city of Antioch. And this city, Iconium, uh, was a strategically important uh, city due to its position on major trade routes in Asia Minor. They entered the, the synagogue of the Jews which tells us that they continued to focus on reaching out to Jew Jewish audiences with the gospel. This was Paul's pattern. He always went to the synagogues first. 
no matter how many times he got beat up, he just kept going back. The phrase together, they entered together. Um, other translations uh, say after the same fashion. Suggest that Paul and Barnabas consistently preached in the same manner as a team. They went in as a team. They had their plan. They were working together. And and despite the, the mistreatment that they received in Antioch by the Jews, they were still willing to preach to the Jews in Iconium, which shows their commitment to sharing the gospel. So they, the two men spoke passionately, persuasively about Jesus Christ. And they spoke with a demonstration of the power of God because their preaching was accompanied by signs and wonders. Yes. And the signs and wonders were proof of God's approval of their message. And as a result of their preaching and the signs and wonders, a large number, not just a handful, a large number of Jews and Greeks believed in the gospel. So Iconium was a, a city with a diverse population. It had Jews, it had proselytes, Gentiles who were becoming Jews, and it had Gentiles. So the converts included both those who were already familiar with Judaism um, the term Greeks likely refers to Gentile Greeks who were in the synagogue right yeah so in this passage you have three groups of people you have the Jews the Greeks and the Gentiles. So they identify each group separately. So the yes. Greeks were probably, you know, uh, either Greek converts or Hellenistic Jews. And so, yes. uh, so either way, but yes, but, so you get, it would get confusing if you didn't realize that. Yeah. But the, the, the main thing is that there was a large multitude of all of them who believed. Yeah. A great. The gospel. Yes. Verse two, but the disbelieving Jews, Remember, there was a large multitude of Jews who did believe. Yes. But the trouble comes from the disbelieving Jews. The disbelieving Jews stirred up and embittered the souls of the Gentiles against the brothers. This term, uh, disbelieving or unbelieving Jews, obviously refers to Jewish individuals who rejected the message of the gospel. They were opposed to the, the growing success of the gospel, and they sought to hinder its progress. And how did they do it? Their opposition involved stirring up the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas and the new Christians creating animosity, hostility, division, strife. The, the Gentiles that they're referring to here are not the Gentiles who believed, obviously, but were 
the idolatrous, non-believing Gentiles who rejected the gospel. So the Jews' effort aimed at turning the minds of these pagan Gentiles against Paul, Barnabas, and the new Christians in the city. And that phrase stirred up the souls of the Gentiles. Yes. Tells us that the Jews actively worked to provoke feelings of hatred, bitterness, anger among the Gentiles. But despite the opposition, Paul and Barnabas continued to speak boldly in the Lord. They did not withdraw. They did not cease preaching and teaching to avoid confrontation with the Jews. But they, they spoke with increased boldness, even as they perceived the anger against them and the growing danger. The phrase, speaking boldly in the Lord, means that the that Paul and Barnabas derived their courage and their confidence from their relationship with Jesus Christ. In the Lord signifies that their boldness came from their trust in God's grace. God gave testimony to the message of his grace that the men preached by working with them to confirm the truth of their words. Signs and wonders were performed by the hands of Paul and Barnabas. Powerful evidence of the truth of the gospel message. And these signs and wonders and miracles were instrumental in confirming the faith of the new converts and convincing people to accept the gospel. So what we see in this verse is the city's population became divided into two factions, one supporting the unbelieving Jews and the other standing with Paul and Barnabas. And, and this division was not limited to just one segment of society but it, it cut across all segments of the city. Rulers and the common people. So the preaching of the gospel generated widespread attention. And a lot of people were talking about it. And it, it prompted nearly every adult in the city to take a stand. They were either for the gospel or against it. They were either supporting Paul and Barnabas or they were against them. And this, this opposition was consistent with the pattern of persecution that originated from the Jewish community. There would be Jews who would believe in the name of Jesus and then there would be Jews who absolutely became livid, full of hatred, and worked day and night to stop the gospel. 
ultimately, uh, the opposition did not stop the gospel. Uh, God's power was manifested through signs and wonders, and a large multitude of people believed. Then we get to verse 3. I like this one. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. What what they were doing to him didn't bother him. They they just no, it just they doubled down. Yes. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who testified to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Apostle Paul and Barnabas remained in the city for a significant period of time, and that emphasize their commitment to the work of spreading the gospel and discipling the new converts. You know, more timid and fearful men and women would have run away from the city to escape the Jewish opposition. But Paul and Barnabas doubled down. They unpacked their suitcases and said, hey, we're going to stay here for a while. And we'll see later, they left. But they left at the time of their choosing. That's right. They left when they decided it was time to leave. Their prolonged stay in Iconium obviously was a response uh, to the events uh, that we've already talked about. Their reception among Gentiles and the opposition that they were receiving from the unbelieving Jews. But their presence was intended to confirm the new believers in the faith, to comfort them, to support them. Paul and Barnabas were saying to the new Christians, we're not going to run away from you. We're not going to leave you here with these hateful Jews. We're going to stay. We're going to disciple you. And at the right time, we'll move on. And, and during that time, they, they continued to preach and teach. The phrase, speaking boldly in the Lord. It, it, it means that they were proclaiming a message authorized by God, relying on his strength and his guidance. It implies that their confidence and courage was based on their relationship with Jesus Christ. They spoke boldly in the Lord. And they preached, the gospel that they preached was described as the word of his grace. Meaning that it reveals God's gracious plan for favor, mercy, salvation offered to all humanity through faith in Jesus Christ. God provided testimony to the truth of their message through signs and wonders. Right. These miracles played a crucial role in affirming the validity of the gospel, attesting to its divine origin. The signs and wonders confirmed the authority and authenticity of the teaching they were intended to convince the people of the truth of the gospel and to lead them to faith in Jesus Christ. 
the signs and wonders demonstrated that God was actively working through Paul and Barnabas. They were not intended to be the foundation of the... Paul and Barnabas were not there to start a religion of, of miracles and signs and wonders. Right. But they were there to confirm, to be a witness to the gospel message. Paul did not advertise throughout Iconium that his miracle ministry was coming to town. <laughs> he didn't put on a show. He preached the gospel and God performed the miracles. Amen. There you go. And the reason that God performed the miracles was to validate to the people that what Paul was telling them about salvation through Jesus Christ, that that message came directly from heaven. Rick, are you suggesting that there are a lot of ministries that put the cart before the horse on this issue? That they absolutely, absolutely uh, signs and wonders out front instead of the gospel message. Absolutely. The moment now that I, you know, I see it differently now when I see somebody advertising their signs and wonders miracle miracle ministry. I know they're they're showmen. They're showmen. They they want to be seen as working miracles, but do they preach the gospel when you go to their meetings? Do you hear about the cross when you go to their meetings? Do you hear about the virgin birth of Jesus? Do you hear about the sinless life of Jesus? Do you hear about the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension? Most of the times you don't. It's all about the preacher and the miracles he's going to do. And the truth is God does miracles in these meetings. Because he yeah. has mercy on the people. He's God, our Father has mercy. He sees people who are sick and desperate for an answer. And the Lord overlooks the preacher who's on stage strutting around, wanting attention. So we get to verse four, and verse four says the multitude of the city was divided. Part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. So this verse begins by stating that the multitude of the city, the vast majority of the city population, was divided. Some stood with the Jews and some stood with Barnabas and Paul. This division was the result of the preaching of Paul and Barnabas. And that indicates the polarizing effect of the gospel message. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Yes. He wasn't talking about violence. He wasn't talking about bloodshed. He was saying that his word would be a sword. And yet he also said, blessed are the peacemakers too. Yes. Uh, but true peace only comes through Jesus Christ. And so, That's right. Um, so they're not contradictory. No. The peace he's talking about, blessed are the peacemakers, are those who reconcile lost sinners with their Heavenly Father. Yes. Make, they make peace between sinners and God. 
So the preaching of Barnabas and Paul led to resistance and opposition from some, and that resulted in them refusing to believe and then stirring up anger against them. And that anger became hostility, and it became dangerous. But it was very similar to the opposition experienced by Jesus during his ministry. And who opposed Jesus? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so uh, the signs and wonders uh, didn't cause the the hard-hearted to convert. Think about that, either in Jesus's ministries or in the uh, in the uh, ministry of the apostles. Uh, so healings, maybe even, you know, uh, resurrections, who knows? Um, but it didn't change the hard hearted. They didn't actually became angry. That's right. You healed that man on the Sabbath. You broke our religious laws. They didn't care about the crippled man. Right. They just cared about their their Judaism. Stony hearts. Yes. So those who stood with the Jews, the disbelieving Jews, because remember, a lot of Jews believed. But what's happening now is that the disbelieving Jews are trying to win back the Jews who believed. They're trying to convince them, you made a mistake, come back to the synagogue. So those who held with the with the Jews rejected the doctrines as false and regarded the miracles as delusions. What did they say about Jesus? He does this through the devil. They're doing the same thing here. In other words, they recognized that there were people out there that were doing miracles, but they were miracles from Satan. So yeah, because the people, the, 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 people were, is imitators. the people were saying to the religious, the Jewish religious leaders, how come you haven't done any miracles? How come <laughs> we come to your synagogue and, and God doesn't show up and do miracles? So their answer was, those miracles are from Satan, from the devil, hmm. which is blasphemy. Yes. So we see that the apostles preaching led to resistance and opposition from some. And that resulted in them refusing to believe and stirring up anger. And and then the apostles faced hostility from those who rejected the gospel. And those people sought to turn the people against Saul and Barnabas. And so this eventually got to the point where it became physically dangerous. And at at some point, uh, Saul and Barnabas had to make a decision. So there's some things that's important to understand here. The word division used in this verse reflects the spiritual tension and conflict that accompanies the preaching of the gospel. Division is a normal response 
We should not be shocked when there is a negative reaction to the preaching of the gospel. It is a, it is a normal response. It should not be there, but it is. Right. So the reaction of the people who refused to believe the gospel, this revealed the spiritual state of the city. These divisions among the people were a reflection of the spiritual warfare taking place in the city. Devils come out of the shadows when the gospel is declared. They reveal their presence. And sometimes it's very shocking to discover who is aligned with Satan because their masks come off. I have seen it in my lifetime. When, when the pure gospel is preached with power and boldness, I've seen people that I thought were saved come unglued. They weren't saved. They were religious. And their religious masks come off. And then they realize, oh, I just outed myself. Remember, Satan has, has tares in every church. Yes. Tares, tares are weeds that imitate wheat. Tares in churches are people who imitate Christians. Their, their purpose to, in being in the church is to hinder the real gospel from being preached. Yes. Another important principle here in this verse is that this, this highlights the importance of personal choice when encountering the gospel message. Each person is personally responsible for how he or she responds to the presentation of the gospel. You are not responsible for the decisions made by others, including the people closest to you, the people whom you love the most. That's difficult, but each person must make his or her own decision about Jesus Christ in the gospel. So the divisions, the conflicts, all demonstrated the power of the gospel. Yes. And it had the capacity to stir hearts and to force people to take a stand for it or against it. To provoke actions, positive and negative. So then we get to verse 5. When some of both the Gentiles and of the Jews, and with their rulers, made a violent attempt to mistreat, mistreat and stone them. This, this verse describes the critical moment in Iconium where an assault or a hostile intent was directed towards Paul and Barnabas. And this hostile intent involved both Gentiles and Jews including their individual rulers, yes, their respective rulers, rulers of the Jews, rulers of the Gentiles. 
the rulers of the Jews included the officials in the synagogue, the rabbis, the elders, who were cooperating with the rulers of the Gentiles. And so you see here, Gentiles and Jews who typically did not get along with each other, but they're united now in opposition to the gospel. And it illustrates the extent to which religious leaders will influence non-religious people to fight the gospel. So there was a united effort of religious leaders and secular leaders to sway public opinion against the gospel and against Paul and Barnabas. The primary purpose of this opposition was to treat Paul and Barnabas shamefully. Right. And this this mistreatment included not only verbal assaults, but they were plotting physical harm. The opposition was fueled by the Jewish accusation of blasphemy. And stoning was the punishment for blasphemy. And so they portrayed Paul and Barnabas as blasphemers against God. They intended to stone them. And that that intention to stone them demonstrates the seriousness of the opposition that these men were facing. Right. But they wanted them dead. They wanted them dead. They were willing to kill them. They'll kill human life to stop the gospel. Yes. But this is similar to the same pattern we saw in the life of Jesus, where both religious leaders and civil government leaders opposed his teaching. But again, Paul and Barnabas remained steadfast and continued to preach and eventually went on to other cities. So we get to verse 6, and they became aware of it and fled to the cities, the cities of the surrounding region. So at this point, we see the narrative shifts to the apostles becoming aware of the violent intent against them and it escalated to the point where an actual physical assault on Paul and Barnabas was imminent and so the Bible says that they were alerted to the danger it doesn't tell us how they became aware of it whether it was through the Holy Spirit through an angel through just word on the street could have been somebody saying hey I was down at the at the uh, granary and I heard two men talking about the plan to have you arrested and stoned to death. We don't know. The only thing that's important is that they found out about the plot and they decided, Paul and Barnabas decided, this is the time we leave. You might say, well, wait a minute. They were bold and courageous. They stayed and preached. Yes, up until the time they were going to be killed. What's the point point in staying to be killed? Right. At that point, your time is up. 
you can't do any preaching and teaching in the grave right so you leave you leave you do what jesus said flee and go to the next city right. shake the dust off your shoes and move on so there's nothing there's nothing cowardly about fleeing when it's uh you know when it's under the inspiration of the holy spirit that's right i mean jesus many times slipped through the crowd yes they look for him they were ready to grab him and he just disappeared and the scripture actually says because it was not his time wasn't his time to die and it wasn't it wasn't paul and barnabas's time to die yeah because there's a lot of people that condemn those that uh will maybe move to another country or go somewhere else and everything uh, uh well you're just you know uh, you're just uh, fleeing a, a bad situation. If you were really brave, you'd stick with it. But no, there's uh, there's a time to reserve your resources and your life in order for the gospel to be preached. Yes. And um, many many Christians have uh, have stayed too long. And that's true too. And died because they were afraid to flee. That's the that's the thing, isn't it, Rick? Yes. Sometimes they well, I can't go somewhere else. I don't know what it's like. It's unknown, something yes. like that. Uh, and so the fear works the other way too. That's right. That's right. Um, verse seven. They preached the good news. There they preached the good news. Where's there? The other cities. Yes, Lystra and Derby. So so they didn't quit. They're still preaching. They moved on to other cities. They said, okay, we can't do any more here. We're you know, if we stay here, we're going to die. They stayed as long as they could stay. They discipled the new Christians. And then there came a day they said, if we stay one more day, we're going to die. So they moved on to other cities and there they preached the good news. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel. The incarnation of Christ, the virgin birth, redemption, peace with God, pardon of sins through Christ's blood, justification by his righteousness, salvation, eternal life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what they preached. Uh, just some closing thoughts. The, the division in Iconium was not caused by Barnabas and Paul, but it resulted from the reaction of the people to the preaching of the gospel. The gospel, the gospel was the source of the division. Yes. And the gospel produces division because it confronts sinful thoughts and behaviors, sinful attitudes of the heart. That's what provokes the opposition. So the gospel can bring unity to those who believe in Jesus and division to those who oppose it. Unity in Christ is desirable, but not at the expense of compromising the gospel. Amen. Amen. 
for the sake of tolerance. Yes, and that's where we're at in America today. So many churches are are tolerant. They're tolerant of the intolerant. That's yes. That. So they're afraid of division, afraid of confrontation. Division is sometimes necessary when the gospel is at odds with the world. Unity with God is more important than unity with the world. And whenever division about the gospel arises, we need to be wise in discerning who is to blame for the division that appears when the gospel is preached. Don't react quickly, but be be cautious and ask the Holy Spirit to tell you, why is our church divided? Why is our family divided? What, why is this ministry divided right now? What's happened? And who's doing it? Right. Who's causing the division? Because the people who cause the division are the ones who oppose the gospel. Yes. Well, Doc, that's it for me today. Hey, I did have a question for you, though, about verse 2. Mm -hmm. uh, and get your thoughts on it here. Uh, the King James reads, uh, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. But the New King James, modern English version says, uh, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. What do you think is meant by poisoned their minds? How do you think that the unbelieving Jews poisoned their minds? I, I, I alluded to it when, when I was talking about verse 2. They were, they were actively uh, being very treacherous. They were, they were spreading lies and um, false accusations to the believers, to the new believers, saying, Come back to the synagogue. You, you've, you've joined a cult. You, you know who we are. We've been here for centuries. Come back to the synagogue. You, you're getting away from, from God. We're the chosen people. They were, they, were, they were poisoning the minds of people against Jesus Christ, the gospel, and against Paul and, and Barnabas. They lied. They made false accusations. They, they lied about Jesus. They said, we heard the story about this Jesus. Right. He was a rebel. He was a revolutionary. He was put to death because he, he was trying to start a revolution in Jerusalem. And he got buried. He's not alive. They were doing everything that they could to poison the minds of the people that believed the gospel. And this is what they're doing today. Yes. The same tactics are being used. Nothing's changed. Yeah, I agree. What did, what did, what did Ben Shapiro say a couple of years ago about Jesus? He deserved to be crucified. He was a rebel, a revolutionary. That, and that's what Shapiro said, our, yes. our good conservative friend. And so, but, well, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because that stood out to me when I saw it in uh, the modern English. And I thought, poison their mind. But, I mean, it's the same propaganda today. 
Yeah. Uh, one other thing I noticed too, verse four, uh, it said, um, but the multitude of the city was divided and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. Uh, I believe this is the first time in the book of Acts that uh, Paul and Barnabas are identified as apostles. Yes. And so uh, for those that say, well, Paul was never an apostle because we, we've got those people that are talking around out there. You know, Paul's not of God and all this other crazy nonsense. But here in verse four, and I think it does it again in verse 14, uh, calls both Paul and Barnabas. Yes. Yes, Barnabas is also named as, a, as an apostle. Right. And what is an apostle? An apostle is an ambassador of a government. Apostle and ambassador mean the same thing. Paul and Barnabas were ambassadors of the government of heaven. And they were colonizing unruly territories, bringing those territories into the king. An ambassador says, I have an official word from my king. An ambassador doesn't give his own opinions. He gives the opinions of the king or the president or the prime minister. He establishes before the people, this is what the king expects. These are the laws of the king. We have a way that we talk and, and behave. And you need to conform. You need to be brought into the kingdom. Change the way you think. Change the way you talk. Change the way you act. How should we behave and talk like the king? Yes. Be like the king's son. He's your model. He's your role model. The king gave you his son. So you have a role model. Be like him. That's what an ambassador does. Right. All right. Well, this is a great teaching to get today, Rick, as usual. And uh, we had uh, 17 countries check in today. And uh, uh, right around 470 people joining us for this uh, uh, morning man of Bible study. It's amazing how God is bringing together believers from all over the world to join us together to learn from the word of God. And uh, we get so many messages of appreciation, Rick, for uh, morning man. So uh, any closing thoughts before we uh, say goodbye for today? No, just I, I at this point, at this hour, uh, I, I go from here uh, teaching the word of God and being blessed and enjoying every bit of it. And I have to go into uh, preparing for true news. And uh, I would ask, ask for your prayers for grace, because I, I'm going to tell you the last uh, 48 hours, I've really had trouble preparing for true news. Uh, uh, last night, doc, I, I was looking at videos, videos coming out of Gaza, and I, uh, I was sitting right here outside last night before dark, and I, I just broke down and wept. I had my head bowed here on patio table, weeping. I couldn't look. I couldn't. I started sobbing. I was sobbing. I can't look. I, I can't look at the children. I, it's, I just. I can't look at it. I, I got up at 
2.30 in the morning, began praying for the children. God, have mercy on them. Have mercy. Either take their lives quickly and get them out of here with no more pain. Or God, stand up from your throne and strike the Zionists. Do something. Do something. Don't let these children continue to suffer. They're in the hundreds of thousands. You realize, Doc, what is this? The third day without water? We're going into day three, yes. How long can you live without water? Well, really, no more than three to four days. So, And, and have you ever, do you know what extreme dehydration does to people? It is an extremely painful death. Right. Your kidneys shut down and the people scream. They scream. I don't think people understand that. People dying of lack of water scream. It is so great. And I woke up at 2.30 in the morning thinking of children. I kept thinking of them in the hospitals in Gaza with no lights, no water, no food, and most likely no adults. Yes. The adults probably left and went home to be with their families to die. And I brought this out on uh, uh, True News the other day. Half the Gaza population uh, is under the age of 15. Yes. Half. I can't. I, I, I was trying at 2.30 in the morning just trying to imagine the hell hole that Gaza is right now. And I I go, I look on TV and I, I go online and Twitter and stuff and I just see these Zionists just begging for more death. Just begging for it. Openly. Openly talking about total eradication of the Palestinian people. One, I saw one um, Zionist on Twitter. Somebody said, well, what about these little kids? And uh, she tweeted back, well, they should not all these Hamas people. It's their fault. They're children. They're children. I, I, I'm just at the place where I want Jesus to come back. I'm so tired of this world, Doc. It's an ugly world. It's not a good world anymore. You can't have a you can't have a peaceful, wonderful life anymore. You can't live 70, 80, 90 years and just have a good life anymore. They've destroyed it. This, the synagogue of Satan defiles everything they touch. They bring death and destruction everywhere they go. And you've got Blinken in Jerusalem today meeting with Netanyahu. You Same. know that they're planning the war. Yes. Rick, there's coming a day there will be no more tears. I know. There's coming that day. No more suffering. Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Yes. 
I don't want this world anymore. I want Jesus. I, man, he's going to give us a new earth. Yes. A new earth with no blood stains in it. Hallelujah. I'm waiting on him. I'm waiting. I'm desiring him. How many Christians are crying out, Lord Jesus, come. We want you. We desire you. Well, on that note, we want to encourage everyone to continue to pray for the situation there, that God's hand would protect, the, especially the believers there, um, the Christian believers in Gaza and the West Bank, and and now, I guess, in Lebanon and, and Jordan, too, from the looks yes. of it, uh, based on the news reports today. So uh, continue to pray for uh, believers there, that God will uh, keep his watchful hand over them. We invite you to come back here with us tomorrow morning. Tomorrow's Friday, and on the Fridays, we uh, have Holy Communion. And so we encourage you to participate with us by having uh, bread and uh, fruit of the vine, either wine or grape juice. Uh, and you're welcome to join us for communion on Friday mornings, no matter where you are. If you're a confessing believer in Jesus Christ and you've been baptized in water in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, uh, you're welcome to participate in the Lord's Supper, the communion. So we want to remind you about that uh, Friday morning. Uh, be prepared for that. It'll be at the end of uh, the Morning Manna Bible study. So, right. all right, Rick. Well, we've got to get ready for True News, of course. And so uh, uh, wishing everyone a great day in Jesus today. Continue to pray for this situation. And continue to pray for this ministry as well as we strive to do what God's called us to do. God bless you. We'll see you later. All right. Goodbye. Well, if you've made it this far in today's True News, you are a True News trooper because we experience multiple power failures, multiple Internet service failures throughout the recording of today's program. We lost our live feed to Getter and Rumble and all the other social media platforms. We lost our live feed to WWCR. International Shortwave, uh, several times we rebooted and it happened again. Like I said, power went out and Internet went out. I don't know who's messing with us today, but maybe it was something I said. I, I don't know. I can't imagine somebody was offended by anything I said today. Um, but it was, it was strange. It was a, a battle to get today's program done. So if you made it this far, you, you <laughs> You are a diehard True News fan that you have put up with all this, and we, we pieced it together. We edited uh, all the segments together so that we could have a full, complete program. And we're going to keep the entire program on True News on the website uh, because so many people lost the feed today. I want to remind you tomorrow, Pastor Chuck Baldwin will be with me for a complete hour. And in Morning Manna, we, we have... We have uh, the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, every Friday. So we invite you to join with us. If it's been a long time since you've been in the Lord's Supper and had communion with other brothers and sisters, this is your opportunity. Have bread and your choice of, of grape juice or red wine available, and you can be part of the Holy Communion service tomorrow on our morning manna section of True News. And, of course, you can join in live real time by becoming a member of faithandvalues.com. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. 
listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find true news on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. 